Well, hello. Hi. It's nice to see all of your smiling faces here with me once again. Welcome back for another episode of the Anhedonic Headphones podcast. My name is Kevin Krein. This is season nine, episode two, or this is a big one, the 50th episode overall. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it, especially for episode 50. Uh, Some podcasts out there in the world, the market is a little oversaturated. Uh, They don't need... Those podcasts don't even make it beyond like a second or third episode because the person putting it together like loses interest or realizes how hard this is to do. And it's just like, well, that's not sustainable. And then they move on to the next thing. Or a podcast like limps along and then one week the host is like, hey, we'll see you back here next time. And then the next time never comes and the show is never heard from again. So what I'm saying is I appreciate you having patience with this show over the last four years as it has continued to evolve and I have continued to grow, hopefully grow, as a host. Uh, And thank you for listening, as you've been able. My guest today is a writer and a musician living in the Twin Cities. We talk about her punk rock youth growing up in Michigan and how her tastes in music influence the essays that she writes that are available on her substack called The Approach. So, everyone, please give a warm welcome to my guest today, Daphne Sidor. I'm very excited about the songs that you picked. And so if you just want to introduce yourself and a little bit about your background, uh, we can we can get right into it. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm nobody in particular, but um, let's see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, some things I do. Um, I am a writer. Um by day for a health technology company, also a writer by night, by weekend, by um, unavoidable life condition, I guess. Um, uh, I These days, that's mostly for my substack, which is called The Approach. Um, and that's where I do uh, a, a lot of a number of things, but mostly um, what I do there is write essays through the medium of playlists. So preparing for this podcast was, um, I, I thought, man, like this is, this is going to be easy, but it was, it was a little harder than I expected. <laughs> um, uh, and then, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm also sort of a musician, uh, myself. Um, although the pandemic has been a pretty fallow period for me as a songwriter, but, um, I have fronted a series of bands. Um, most recent was a band called Psychic Stare here in the Twin Cities. Okay, I did want to ask about that a little bit because I know like that you have played in bands and that you haven't in a while. Is that something that you'd like to get back into or are you kind of like donezo with that at this part in your life? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think it would feel very depressing to say I've like closed the door um, for sure. Uh, no, I just, I just... Uh just need to do it (laughs) (laughs) and what what do you play like do you play and sing do you just play uh yeah yeah both um i yeah uh guitar mainly um i can find my way around most uh stringed things um drums a little bit um but yeah mostly guitar um and then what kind of band like what 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 kind of music did you make when you were performing yeah, I mean, I would say maybe kind of broadly under the umbrella of, of indie pop, I okay. guess. Um, okay. Yeah, kind of. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll, we 
we'll probably get into it, but my first band uh, was was a punk band um, uh, that is not reflective of the bands that I was in as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you, and do you prefer, not to just spend the whole time talking about this, but um, do you prefer like working within a band or would you ever just do stuff like on your own as like just like a, like a solo kind of like single person project? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, um, I've i done some kind of solo songwriting stuff and um, performed that uh, just on kind of one-off occasions. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think just, uh, you know, I, I'm not someone with a lot of chops. So like being able to realize uh, the, <laughs> the the full sound that I have in my head um, uh, definitely takes other people. More than, more, more than yeah. just you. Okay. Um, and so with, with the songs that you picked, I mean, kind of what metrics did you use and kind of like what what ground are we going to cover with these because this is a fat it's a fascinating list <laughs> many of these like are bands that i at least am aware of some of these songs were the first time i was hearing them so i'm excited um to hear the stories behind these and why you picked them yeah um so gosh the, i mean there were just so many directions that i felt like i could have gone but um how i whittled it down was a few criteria um you know one i, I wanted to choose songs that were emblematic for of like just major areas uh of my my life as a music listener um and that I still genuinely enjoy. Like there's a whole, there's all sorts of things that I, <laughs> that has been formative, but that I wouldn't put on uh, the stereo today necessarily. Sure, um, yeah. And uh, also just, just choosing things that I hadn't um, specifically written about before, um, kind of new stuff to think about um, that also didn't seem like uh, they'd popped up in, your archives um <laughs> a lot um it seems like uh there's yeah a lot, a lot of like morrissey fans out there um, yeah i like... <laughs> i i did hit a i did hit a run of people who really fuck with morrissey and like there is a time and place for that but right. like, no i yeah i mean i love I mean, the smiths but yeah, I mean, yeah peace, some new ground <laughs> peace and love to the smiths but it's like uh i mean morrissey is so problematic that it's just kind of like yeah it's, it's in his uh, his solo output is also like arguably of diminishing returns and so it's just right. kind of like <laughs> i mean yeah like we can leave it at the smiths and then a couple of his solo joints but then after that it's like nah love we good it is like the the cross section of like what people different people who have never met probably right, right. will never meet it's so interesting to see those trends yeah when when it's like the first couple of seasons there's a lot of Joni Mitchell um <laughs> a lot of Bob Dylan and so it's just kind of like seeing where people overlap is always really fascinating to me Estoy aquí queriendo convertir los campos en 
I think the only artist on your list that somebody else picked was sh- uh, was a Shakira song, but it was like a Latter-day Shakira song. Oh, I didn't, like, yeah, I'll, I'll have to find that one. Tell me about the, your relationship with this one. Like, where are we starting? Yeah, um, yeah, this is a totally weird opening choice, but um, I feel like it, it brings together a few threads um, kind of in my musical life. I mean, first of all, it's just, you know, yes, it's in Spanish, so it's not something that was on American pop radio, but I do feel like, the overall vibe is kind of emblematic of this kind of like very lightly crunchy girly pop um, that I was like probably just on the verge of becoming too cool for uh, when I first heard this song. Um, you know, some American cousins of the sound might be like Alanis or like yeah. Lisa Loeb, you know, this this type of songwriter who maybe has like a slightly weird voice, um, is like a little bit moody, um, you know, guitar playing. Um, so yeah, I think this mode of songwriting felt like aspirational but also like kind of accessible um as an awkward tween girl who could like only sort of sing um (laughs) uh, but yeah I I heard this one uh in in my eighth grade Spanish class um I believe um and uh the story here is that I was actually part of a group that was going to sing this at uh our school's showcase um and then I got cut from that group because oh, um, no. I, <laughs> I like semi accidentally um, invented a, a harmony line instead of singing in unison <laughs> and like could <laughs> not find my way back. Um, uh, just like you know, tried to push that. Um, no, got got relegated to the back row. Um, they gave me a maraca, um, which I just like oh. stood there shaking in, in total fury. <laughs> wow! Wow! What a what a great way to like make somebody not want to sing is to be like <laughs> oh you're doing something different doing a lot no get get in the back and be quiet wow wow and then yeah I, I remember like going home after that performance and then just like belting this song at the top of my <laughs> lungs in my empty house which is just like <laughs> wow wow experience Woof. of musical catharsis was, Woof. Uh, was useful <laughs> Do you still do you still like ride for Shakira in any sense of the word or like was this just like of a time and of a place for you? 
You know, I don't think that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not at all exhausted. I, I'm a pretty casual fan, I would okay. say. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still genuinely like this song a lot. I mean, I think, you know, the, the texture of her voice is so interesting and so different from um, most most other pop that is orchestrated this way kind of like rubs up against that kind of dance pop background in a way that's that's super appealing to me still um you know in her english language stuff and um yeah uh you know sometimes you'll find this song in the in the karaoke catalog if you're at a karaoke (laughs) bar with with a decent spanish-speaking crowd and it's always fun to bust out uh in that context She's so this is this from like this is from ninety seven. She's so young and fresh faced on the front totally. of the album. Yeah, this too. is her first big hit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, is there anything else about this one before we and what so like what the the title before we move into the next song? What does the title translate to? Oh, it's just here I am. So okay. the okay. lyrics are just like, you know, here I am, missing you, um, like drowning in my memories. Um, you know, we'll we'll never get back. Uh, <laughs> a thousand <laughs> years couldn't couldn't bring us back to to where we were. So it's like it's very it's very heavy. <laughs> yeah, like that's really dramatic. <laughs> yeah, I guess the one one other uh, thing that I I feel like people should know that I just learned um, in the Wikipedia article for this song is um, there were two music videos and the second one. Um, and I quote, uh, depicts Shakira playing the guitar and dancing, posing seductively behind an aquarium and setting her guitar on fire. So I haven't watched this yet, but um, I feel like we probably need to. I mean, I picked this song because, I mean, as you say, it's it's an incredible song <laughs> uh, and one of, one of the greats. Um, but I feel like the song sits at the intersection of ska and punk yes. and my entry into those scenes as a teenager. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like, you know, people get really embarrassed about the ska revival of the 90s um, and like partly rightfully so. But <laughs> I mean, I, I can see that like. Yes, I understand because I was part, like I loved the ska revival of the mid '90s, um, and some of it is very cringy. But I mean, there's a time and a place for the Mighty Mighty Boston's and Real Big Fish, and if those bands are an entryway into better things like the Clash, then that's like that's okay, and I have reconciled that. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we had our, our local um, kind of quintessentially sophomoric third wave ska band um, called Mustard Plug. Um, and, oh, yeah. shit. I have you, heard you know of them. I know them. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah local local hometown heroes and and yeah so that I mean that was uh kind of the first like small scale music show I ever experienced the place where I first experienced the thing that was the mosh pit um and (laughs) discovered this thing that I was really starving for which was this like real live subculture um and yeah, and this this record in general just kind of took over uh, my friend group. Um, <laughs> I think uh, my friend Claire uh, burned us all a copy. Um, you know, she had cool older brother, musician, mom. She was kind of the conduit for um, all all things uh, <laughs> outside our, our little sphere. Um, in, you know, high school in Michigan. Yeah, I mean, we, we were all just, like, so hooked um, by it. I mean, it's just, like, so many things in this song and this record. You know, it's so funny and, like, also still being, like, so acerbic and political and, and the melodies and, like, so in love with popular music um, in a way that I feel like is really common to bands that were in that um, kind of 70s ska punk crossover in the UK. Just, like this idea of just like not being too pure for any like influence that might yeah. cross their path. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this album is so weird. I mean, yeah, it, so really, weird and funny. it really is. It really is like it, I mean, it, it, it is, there's like a song like this and then it's like, it takes itself so seriously at times. And then it is like, it just gets so strange. And it's like, this is like peak the clash for me because yeah. It's long. It's not too long. Like it almost overstays its welcome as an album because it's nineteen songs. But it is, it's like, I could, yeah, I could do without two of these tracks. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but then you get into like Sandinista, which is like three LPs. Right. It's like okay, re- relax, fellas. And by that point, they, I mean, Combat Rock is like it has hits on it, but it's not as right. good. And then they all like were they hated each other, they broke up, whatever. But like, I was hoping. I have you ever seen? Maybe you, since you're from Michigan, maybe you're familiar with this movie, Gross Point Blank, with John Cusack. I know it. Um, okay, I haven't watched it like as an adult. Okay, I mean, I don't know how well it's aged. Um, but there's like the soundtrack 
is a lot of 80s music and it's also a lot of like punk and ska like adjacent things that his character listens to and Rudy Can't Fail is on the soundtrack and so that was that was my as a 14 year old who loved that movie that was my entry point to this and I was like The Clash tell me more and then I (laughs) bought a copy of this and I was like oh shit this is real good um but yeah like the specials are on the soundtrack and the jam it's just like a cavalcade of that era of of tunes and kind of like that sound and so that was like after you put away your real big fish and your boss tones it's like (laughs) the gross point point blank soundtrack was really kind of like the here is what you actually want to be listening to right 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 yeah for me it was the the this our two-tone compilation that i got a used copy from in our local record store that was really yeah that that step back into the second wave which was which was a lot do you like do you listen to like i mean i kind of go back to some like of this stuff pretty regularly do you you revisit kind of like this sound often of like for leisure listening yeah i mean i think especially yeah some of those two-tone bands like um the body snatchers are um uh all female um ska band uh of that scene um that are I, I was revisiting um their very sadly brief um discography <laughs> um somewhat <laughs> recently uh just yeah just lovely lovely stuff um but yeah just the the musicianship and um the yeah it's just it just sounds nice <laughs> if you, i was like if, like a warm bath in it <laughs> if you can you can you wrangle up like six friends who all play like horns and like start a ska band <laughs> yeah maybe uh... <laughs> it's that summer of the evening get ready and roll the cassette there's boys outside preaching genocide and trying to think up some sort of friend and the ladies in the cloakroom Take no notice of me I wish myself was back at home But there's nothing safe in watching TV There's something born tomorrow That I lost when I was out for a drink How many games is it gonna take To change the way I think It takes more than good intentions And a big bloke on the door Though it's never the same after the first time It doesn't stop from coming back for more Fighting the dance always happens anyway Sometimes it makes me stop and think Sometimes it makes me turn away Sometimes it makes me stop and think Sometimes it makes me turn away Sometimes it makes me stop and think But most times it makes me run away Okay, so Billy Bragg, it's like, I recognize that name, um, but the song was so very short and it was like done. And when I was listening to this playlist and I was like, oh, this is oh, this is so short. Like, so tell me about like your like, who is Billy Bragg aside from like a name that I have recognized for a very long time? I know nothing about him or this album. So you've picked Lovers Town Revisited. What is your entry point with this one? Yeah, I mean, Billy Bragg is someone who is not punk, but I feel like has like a basic universal acceptance among punks um, through just like some kind of spiritual alignment, you know, it's kind of like a Johnny Cash or an Elvis Costello kind of thing, you know, (laughs) these just sort of 
punk ally songwriters in some way (laughs) um uh but yeah i mean he was uh you know he's he's from the the uk of course um uh really uh breaking through in the in the 80s um yeah i think uh this is this album back to basics just mostly just him and a solo electric guitar which is um kind of a strange setup for uh (laughs) A singer songwriter, but yeah. but one that was really appealing to me um, as someone who uh, you know only had an electric guitar um, <laughs> when I was first starting out and trying to learn how to play through being in a band, um, it, and yeah, there's just this uh, this blend of the political, um, like I mean, this song is I guess about you know sort of tensions in the in the UK uh scene at the time um but also really personal and really melodic and I think just uh at a time when you know these were uh George W. Bush years and everything was feeling very um (laughs) (laughs) like it was you know almost a crime to not be uh singing about something political to to have this kind of fusion um I, I, I really spoke so, to me yeah. then and speaks to me still. Yeah. So I was like, I like, like, chron, like in like your personal kind of chronology. So we've moved out of high school. You like, what era are we in with this song? Like, when did you discover this? Oh, still high school. Definitely. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, the poster was up in the, in the coffee shop where we all hung out. Um, I remember like one summer, just like, hopping into a car with like a couple of uh kind of elite level punk boys and driving out to the beach with this album playing on the stereo and (laughs) you know jumping off the pier in our clothes and you know just uh just living the romance of kind of punks escaping to the beach um you know both uh both musically and physically (laughs) that's the name of the that's the name of the first single for your ska band punks escaping to the beach beach. yeah I by the end of this by the end of this conversation you're going to be like you know Kevin I was not on board at first but this is a really good (laughs) idea yeah yeah So Slater Kinney, obviously, I mean, another iconic band. Um, and this one, I mean, I was always like aware of their existence when I was much, much younger and then kind of came around to them musically and like listened to their output like short, not shortly after their first, like when they broke up originally, but like kind of a couple years after that 
discovered them. So I was not familiar with Call the Doctor, though, the album or this song. So um, where are we in your life now with this song and like getting into this band specifically? Yeah, um, this one is definitely still in high school. Um, I mean, yeah, I think the song was part of the discovery for me that like oh hey girls could be a music <laughs> scene too um you know I mean like with Rudy can't fail you know I mean yeah like my band the cautions and I you know we were like four midwestern teenage girls who like deeply wanted to be British rude boys you know? <laughs> we're, like, obsessed with like the film newsies also like you know it just seemed like all the all the like cu- cultural artifacts uh at hand around us you're like newsies, newsies sell papes <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but there's just like this this sort of idea hovering in the air that you know if, if you wanted this sense of like camaraderie or like solidarity or collectivity like that was like basically for boys um <laughs> as far as we could tell like uh but then discovering uh the riot girl stuff we're like oh wait no there is this this whole other bigger gayer community out there it's just like out in the pacific northwest instead of in the midwest (laughs) Um, so that just like really rewrote my mental atlas um you know i I, and just yeah it got me into um that that whole scene of bands t-shirt um not not for the band Slater Kinney but for this song specifically um (laughs) well that's very specific yeah it was uh I think it was a heart uh with fangs that were dripping blood and then just the song title um in sharpie people were really confused by this shirt is that the kind is that the kind of thing you wear to like a lot of family gatherings (laughs) I mean I'm sure I did I love that though. I love that dedication to making a song specific shirt for a band and the band. I feel like name. it should happen more. The right. band, like the band, the band, the band name, name is not on it. It's just the song name. Really love that. <laughs> Slater Kinney obviously broke up, got back together, have changed dramatically since their original kind of run of albums. How do you like do you still listen? To, do you fuck with their new stuff at all? Do you just like kind of stick with like golden era albums from like the mid to late 90s when they were like still very punky like what are your thoughts on them now yeah I've remained a pretty active fan up through probably the second to last album um wasn't quite so into the last one um you know even the the first one they made um 
after the the very sad departure of Janet Weiss, um, uh, I thought still had some great stuff on it. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, they're definitely a band that I'm interested to see where they keep going. Um, I thought their their first uh, like album uh, when they reunited, um, No Cities to Love, was like just like so much better than we uh, could have expected or deserved. Um, it was really sure, kind of sure. miraculous. So this was, and so I have such a soft spot in my heart for music like this. Um, And I, because I, I, for a number of years, I worked in radio and my show was very unhinged in terms of what it was like. I would play a lot of contemporary music, (laughs) a lot of sad, like very sad, like big cries for help, but to try to diversify and like appeal to everybody or at least like make it so it wasn't so like erratic i would do a lot of like motown kind of like 60s r&b adjacent groups like this and so whenever i hear something like by a band or a group that has like a similar kind of sound to that era i'm always like oh this is nice like oh this would have fit very well um, <laughs> in my program i did not know about this one so the cookies who i I've, i was just like this is so fascinating i know nothing about them though as a group but the song is called i never dreamed so where are we in your life at this point and kind of how do you discover a group like this, which I'm going to guess is probably like has a very kind of small but dedicated cult following, but it's kind of like maybe forgotten amongst the shuffle of similarly sounding acts. Yeah. I mean, the cookies, I think they were um, one of, uh, you know, scores of um, groups that were short lived that the music industry, I think often treated as, you know, just kind of, quick, cheap, disposable. Um, sure. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I started getting really into this stuff um, sometime in college. Um, and I feel like it was, you know, kind of the polar opposite of like esoteric, politically minded <laughs> punk music, right? Um, it's just like the, the, the furthest uh, to the other extreme um, in some ways.
although not necessarily in in terms of like the conviction that um you know kind of little nobodies could have something uh interesting to say musically you know I feel like a lot of these groups generally genuinely were just like girls who knew each other from the neighborhood you know singing together in their high school auditoriums and so even though you know parts of the music industry might have treated this stuff really cynically um you still get this really genuine expression of emotion anyway and just like the pairing of just the kind of ordinariness of the lyrics the vocal affect with all this lush orchestration around it it's it's like such a magical setting for um these kind of stripped down to the basics um emotions and the content yeah it, i i just pulled up i have so many computers running right now but i just because <laughs> i've got the i've got the one that i'm recording on then i have my other computer to do like the playlist but also to oh, like smart. get on scholarly journal wikipedia um <laughs> but it looks like the cookies were active from 54 to 58 and then again in 62 to 67 but they had two different lineups yeah, um, well, yeah. And like uh, so many of these groups were just constantly shifting lineups, yeah. you know, people's sisters, people's cousins kind of yeah. cycling in and yeah. out um, <laughs> and yeah. like changing names, going to other yeah. groups. Um, yeah. There wasn't really it wasn't like the consistent idea of a band um, the way that like rock bands of the era might be. Yeah, no, that's um. I just the, this whole like this kind of like dreamy like it's it sounds very hazy in today's standards in terms of like the production and arranging but like this kind of like an r&b girl group with this kind of dreamy sound is just like one of my favorite things um yeah. so this was such a delight for you to like introduce me to something new on this show so thank you for including this song to set me free nobody writes them like they used to so it may as well be me here am i own now after hours here am i own now on a bus think of it this way you could either be successful or be us with our winning smiles and our hands with our catchy tunes or words now a photogenic you know we don't stand a chance so bell and sebastian is the next one and this is like iconic um and I have another like I mean I'm I'm always curious to hear how people get into a band like Bell and Sebastian. Um but get me away from here I'm dying from if you're feeling sinister. Where are we like if we're in, with the last one if we're in college where are we now with this one and kind of how what is your introduction to this this band and song? Yeah, I I'm pretty sure that this was an album that I just bought, you know, in kind of the the pre um very internet-y days <laughs> of uh you know just like hearing that this band was cool and like finding it in a record store and um uh 
yeah, uh, getting really into it. I, I think it was still in college. Um, when that's, I, I mean, that's a, that's, that's a risk. It's like, I yeah. mean, if you hear a band is cool. You're like, okay, here's hope. <laughs> here's hoping. Cause sometimes that does not pay off at all. Yeah. Um, especially look pretty good uh like cover instincts or something (laughs) especially like the early days of the internet where it was like maybe you could listen to an mp3 on their website but there was no right like in college i didn't have a computer i wasn't like (laughs) i was not finding music that way you're like not at the library, like with your headphones. <laughs> in the computer lab. Yeah. I think yeah. I had headphones in the computer lab. <laughs> um, <laughs> rough times. So, uh, but yeah. So, I mean, like, what, like, did you just like knew Bell and Sebastian were a band that was like popping with like, like a certain crowd and sought this out? Yeah. I, I think that is, is right. Um, yeah. And I mean, I feel like I was sort of, um, you know, getting into the the 60s girl group stuff, I mean, I feel like definitely sent me down a musical path that was like a little lighter, a little yeah. prettier. Um, and yeah, I mean, Belle and Sebastian ended up being a, a big like musical common interest between me and um, the co-founder of uh, the first band that I started um, as an adult uh, in Chicago, just getting out of college. Um and yeah, I feel like uh, we sort of found our way into a scene, like a very small scene of kind of allied indie pop bands. Um, you know, I feel like a term that was getting thrown around in that era was twee, which has always really set my teeth on edge. But I, I mean, was, when you, when you, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that too, because the, the, you were like a term that got thrown around. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, I was like, oh, I know what she's going to say. Um <laughs> I mean, I guess I see it. Like, I mean, that's, that is kind of the thing, especially like, um, the more bands and kind of like a, like an overall aesthetic that was associated with this, um, after yeah. a certain point, um, in like the, I'd say mid to late two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I mean, right. I think, you know, there is a sort of like deliberate, uh, although playful naivete to it, right? Um, you know, very like vintage dresses and glockenspiels and like, <laughs> you know, uh, that was, you know, and I think that's maybe just a mode you fall into, um, like after you fall out of punk and still have the kind of limited chops of punk, right? <laughs> um, it, you know, and I, just like playing in this band um, and not not really having a lot of exposure to bands that would get called twee, you know, we did end up getting into stuff like Ghost Sailor, Tiger Trap, Heavenly, um, just because people would come up to us at shows and say, hey, you really sound like, you know, this band that we had never heard of. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, I mean, Bell and Sebastian is, you know, more sophisticated than some of those bands. There's that like very, very jazzy drumming and, you know, of course, a lot of lyrical complexity um uh but still this sort of enduring alliance with this sort of adolescent perspective Rain 
just thought I'd let you know goodbye. Said the hero in this story, it is mightier than swords. I could kill you, sure, but I could only make you cry with these words. Cry with these words. Cry with these words. Cry with these words. Oh, get me away, I'm dying. 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 Oh, I'm dying. Oh, I'm dying. Oh, I'm dying. Oh, get me away, I'm dying. Get me away, I'm dying. Get me away, I'm dying. Get me I have you said I not to turn this entire podcast into conversations about John Cusack movies, but <laughs> I'm like, tell me your thoughts on serendipity. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I assume that you have seen High Fidelity at least once. Yes. Okay, that is how I heard of Bell and Sebastian because there's that scene where um, John Cusack's character and the guy who is not Jack Black are listening to um, Seymour Stein by Bell and Sebastian in the store. And then Jack Black comes in and is like, what the fuck is this? And then <laughs> rips the tape out of the tape deck and like oh, yeah. throws it and then does a very Jack Blacky thing. But I was, so I mean, I was probably 17 when that movie came out and I mean that movie has not aged well. Let me tell you, that is so. Oh, I bet not. It's so. Pro- <laughs> we watched. We watched it um, about a year ago. My teenage nephew wanted to watch it. He had never Aww. seen it, and we watched it. And he was like, "Oh wow, this is real misogynistic." And I'm like, "Yeah, buddy, I told you this didn't age yeah. well." I was like, "The year 2000 was a different time." Um, yeah, but uh, the so that was I was like. The, the song is only in the movie for like 30 seconds, but I was like, Bell and Sebastian. Oh, I kind of liked that. And so the I used my dial-up internet to look up what album it was on. And then the next time I went to a, a record store, I, I found the the album. And that was kind of like my gateway into like this this album. And then the one after it, the boy with the Arab strap. Um, those were the two that I really like kind of glommed onto at a time when... I don't think like a 17 year old going to school in rural Illinois was like, <laughs> should have really been listening to it. Like the people were like, a lot of my friends were like, what is this now? And I'm like, yo, it's Bell and Sebastian. <laughs> it's a song that Jack Black hated in High Fidelity. I was like, y'all fuck with, y'all fuck with High Fidelity? Like this is in that movie. <laughs> Break my skin 
Okay, so the next one, the Mountain Goats, and this is like a band that so many people love this band. I hear about them all the time. I have never sat down with them. So I'm I'm interested in hearing about your access point with this group and kind of like where we are in your life at this point. Yeah, um, I think, you know, the first uh, Mountain Goats album I heard was Tallahassee um, and that, that uh, really hooked me. Um, I think I was exposed to that one in college uh, first, um, but then uh, didn't didn't do a super d- deep dive into their stuff until probably a few years later. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, you know, in, in some ways, uh, I feel like structurally, melodically, they are a bit limited uh, <laughs> as a band, but um, just like in terms of what you can do with words within a pop song. Um, they're pretty unmatched. Um, yeah, they, they've just been, I, I would say, yeah, probably at least a good half dozen of their albums have just been essential in different ways to my daily life at, at different points. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I love this one. Um, it's a little, the production's a little more advanced. It's at kind of a nice, a nice midpoint um, in their career. Uh, it's one of the the many Mountain Goat songs that are kind of, kind of about feeling great about feeling bad, <laughs> you know, really like leaning all the way in uh, <laughs> to, uh, to some, some dark thing that is happening and just maybe just i should really i should really give this a list like i should seriously get like i was like you hate i was like you had me at feeling great about <laughs> feeling bad i'm like say yeah. say less like <laughs> you're speaking my language uh, yeah i'll um uh, another another curated playlist i'll have to make oh, love that just, love um, that Top, big, top cuts from the mountain. Goats. I was like big, um, big sad boy energy coming through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah. I mean, this one is just like you know, it's 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 very funny. I mean, it's this kind of persecution fantasy. And I start laughing like a child, and I mark their faces one by one. Transfiguration's gonna come for me at last And I will burn hotter than the sun I waited so long and 
whim, kind of like a whimsical nature to like this struct. Like, I mean, it's like a, it's like, how would you describe this sound? It's like, it's like, like it's folk adjacent. Yeah, totally. It's like very like kind of rollicking at times and like how it sounds. And so it's like, you're right. You are very right in how you've described it. It's like, they have this sound, they stick to it. It is more of like a lyrical, like if you want lyrics, this is the band for you situation. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll have to, like, I, I mean, like the, the Mountain Ghost is one of those bands that I, like, I hear so much about and I'm just like, maybe should I, should I make the time? Should I sit down? And yeah, it seems it's like hard, I should. It's hard. They do have a big, they do have such a big archive. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to put together. Okay. I like a, it. An intro package. All yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, then are you ready for the next one? Do you have anything sure. else about the mountain goats? Are we like where are we? Like wait, what like are we so with this album in particular, like we are in this album came out in two thousand eight. So like at what point, like were you a big fan at that point and kind of like following them closely? Or like how like of all the mountain goat songs, you picked this one. Is this your favorite or like your go to for a specific reason? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I could pick one favorite and, and I definitely didn't, um, I wasn't already a fan. Well, I, yeah, I wasn't, I feel like I came to this album, um, kind of in, in the deep, you know, when you, when you realize that like, oh, actually I am going to love this band and then you like listen to everything they've put out. Sure. Um, that, sure. that was more in that. And that this was, uh, yeah, we're, we're like well into, um, you know, probably uh, mid to late twenties here. Okay. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, the, <laughs> the, this narrative has such a grandeur to it and, you know, like I was a big Joan of Arc kid, you know, something about this, this kind of <laughs> martyr's posture is still so appealing to me, but I also feel like it's a really good song for, um, for just uh, facing down all manner of crises that are caused by your own stubbornness where you're, you're not ready to stand down yet. You're just <laughs> big, big Joan of art kid. That is like, there's another song title for you. Again, I'm like, I am like crafting this folk ska band. We're going to have like an album outlined by the end. I know. Of and I love that. I love that so much. I dreams come true on the podcast. <laughs> Something's terrorized my psyche to get even Maybe you're the only human I believe in
So uh, we're moving into so another. This is another one, a band that I have heard of. I have tried. I have listened to a little bit of their output. They again, I think they have a pretty vast canon. Yeah. So I never know where to begin with of Montreal. But you have picked. <laughs> I kind of like guffawed at the song <laughs> title <laughs> when I was listening to this. We will commit wolf murder, which is like I was like, what does what does that mean? Um, there's layers. Uh, so tell me about your relationship with of Montreal, and then specifically this this tune, and like how this ended up on here. Yeah, I mean, like I think most people, I came to of Montreal through uh, Hissing Fauna, Are You the Destroyer, um, which was, I feel like, their kind of big breakthrough where they really changed their sound to add more electronic elements, to kind of go darker in general. I feel like they were um, kind of a, a bit more... Um, twee if you want to use that word uh, before then you know kind of kind of a sunnier sound kind of more about you know just being like this this very clever lovely little band um and then they did this and uh and it blew people's minds uh and then a few albums later um they <laughs> they released this album um which uh pretty much nobody liked um i feel like it got like a 4.3 or something on pitchfork you um, know and i i love i don't like i don't know how often you actually like read like if you read pitchfork reviews every day or if you just like casually sometimes. glance <laughs> i you know i take it all with a grain of salt sometimes i laugh sometimes i'm i'm still like Hey, fuck you, man. That's a good album. Um, <laughs> but I do love a nasty, like a nasty review of something on that site. If they get into like old pitchfork mode, like early two right. thousands, like it was much more chaotic back then. Vitriol. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here for it, which they don't do often. Um, no, a good takedown is, uh, is yeah hard to beat. <laughs>
Yeah, I mean, I feel like this, this, I mean, I can see why people didn't like it. It's a very, <laughs> uh, it's a very difficult oh, album. Yeah. 4.6. Um, okay, yeah, um, I was, yeah. I was uh, about right, <laughs> which, yeah, I mean, for modern pitchfork, that's bad. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah. definitely as far as you would ever want to go into the psyche of Kevin Barnes, um, which is probably too, too deep for most, but I mean, you know, like a lot of people, like a lot of songwriters, um, you know, I've, I've definitely dealt with depression a bunch in my life. Um, I feel like aside of the mentally ill experience you don't hear as much about in music is like when that's coupled with um, psychosis, which I feel like, uh, yeah, Kevin like makes that come to life in a way that you would, would probably not really want to mostly live in um for for the length of an album so like i get the critical reaction <laughs> uh but but to me i mean it's yeah the the combination here of you know this this very heavy lyrical uh, this like almost out of control lyrical material with this very lush kind of maximalistic uh production this like very beautiful and like even danceable production um is is really compelling to me um uh in and like very unique um in terms of like musical ways that people engage with depression i think you know usually you go either like kind of spare or just like crushingly heavy um yeah there's there's something different here that's interesting to me okay i mean this is i mean this is a band that they have so like they have such an output i'm looking at their studio album list right now and it's like, too it's, like... yeah, it's too much and they this is a band that lost me um like i don't know probably five albums <laughs> i don't keep up uh because i feel like yeah I, the the directions that he went in um, i mean the last the last album the last album that they released was called free wave lucifer fuck 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 so i mean I don't, <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't i don't and i don't and i mean honestly i don't know why you wouldn't want to keep up with that <laughs> it seems like you're missing out on something <laughs> yeah it's, at a point it's just like stop talking kevin not you <laughs> kevin barnes <laughs> i mean this is the kind of kevin that gives kevin bad bad names like for realsies <laughs> homies out here releasing albums like that and i'm like bro you're making us all look bad <laughs> No, I mean, I think, you know, I think he's a genius who, like, needs a band um, who, like, got rid of his band, unfortunately, <laughs> kind of where he's at now. Yeah, I was going to say, is I was like, but Of Montreal has, like, big, like, one person at the helm energy, and it's just, like, a, a revolving door of... Yeah, I think it is that way these days, and I yeah. think um, they've, they've kind of suffered uh, for that. I can take the lights and sing you songs. Can you feel my love here? Come on and see to my heart, see to love. 
I, I know we're going chronologically here, and so I'm, and but we're also going back in time with this song specifically. And so Queen, good old fashioned lover boy. I was not familiar with this Queen song, but I want to know kind of like how this ended up on here at this point in the list, and kind of like how are you a big fan of Queen and their like mythology or like where like. What is your access point with this group? Yeah, I mean, I feel like part of it, I feel like there's kind of a mini arc here from Mountain Goats on um, that's just like, I don't know, different ways of dealing with like big, dark feelings, right? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you can do that through storytelling, you can do that through, um, just kind of like self-indulgently freaking out uh, to a beautiful musical background. <laughs> or you can do it through just like pure pop maximalism, like yeah. just like totally losing yourself in like all this virtuosity that's harnessed to this incredibly silly cause, <laughs> you know, like just, just all the lavishness of this song, uh, you know, Brian May's guitar, Freddie's voice, um, uh, you know, it's just like that, that is such a beautiful thing to lose yourself in when it's February and it's, and it's dark outside. Um, <laughs> and yeah, to me, it just feels like working late being the last person in my office because I've procrastinated during the day and just like putting this on to try to gather the will to, <laughs> to get my shit together, head out into the cold. Um, like, I mean, so Queen, what it like when did you when did you become like aware of queen as a band slash like are you into like their entire body of work just the hits like what is your relationship to them because it's like i feel like there are people who have obviously kind of like discovered them very recently thanks to like the biopic that came out a couple of years ago but then there's like people who I think we're pretty close in age, but then there's like people who are my age who discovered Queen through Wayne's World and the use <laughs> of Bohemian Rhapsody in Wayne's World. Um, right. So it's like, I don't know where everyone falls with like, just like knowing that this is a, like, that they are a band.
I mean, so I feel like Queen was just a band you kind of always knew about um, as a kid. I mean, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I saw Wayne's World at the time that it came out. But um, but yeah, that, that would make sense that that sort of launched them back into the culture. But yeah, I mean, you know, they were still still on radio when I was a super young kid. Um, you know, I can remember just riding around in the car and uh, with my dad and it coming on and just like, just the idea that, you know, American dads could be into this like very weird, often very gay um, <laughs> music. It's like, that, that creates like a very, a very nice space to grow up in. You know, I feel like with Queen, with David Bowie, with these 70s weirdos that our dads liked, I mean, that was like, that was a little, that was a nice little corner of the culture in which you could maybe feel is, a little freer than you would have. That is very fascinating because it's like, yeah, Queen, I mean, that is like, Queen is always considered classic rock to me. It is fascinating. Right, right. It's fascinating that there was a time when this was new. And <laughs> um, so just like, yeah, I don't know if my parents listened to a lot of this, like when I was young, young, like, I don't remember that, but it is like just wild to think about like an art, like artists like this and Bowie being played totally in, in that environment where it would, it seems like that would not be, welcomed or like in like or people would be like yes this is i yes i like this or like oh this is so weird but i'm so fascinated by it because i mean every queen song is just like layers upon layers and so intricate um even a song like this that i was like not familiar with it was like not i mean i don't know if this was a single at any point or like a deep (laughs) a deep cut but it's just like there's so much happening in every in every song of theirs I'm just like wow it is just like still such a astounding thing to like listen to today to hear how detail oriented all of the production is yeah yeah in general I'm a fan of music that just like tries to do more than you would think anyone could do in the space of a pop song. <laughs> I know what you wanna say. I think that you're all the same. Constantly being led So, and this is, I, I mean, this is probably the most recent tune on here in terms probably of like far. Yeah. time, time wise. But so Sharon Von Etten, and this is from her kind of like departure from guitar music album from a couple years back. So how are we ending on this one? And then like, are you a big fan of hers 
and like the work that she has continued to do since kind of like migrating away from like the like mid to late 2000s kind of like gar- I don't want to say garage rock because that's not but it's like but it, a, yeah no, I know. A, like a, ra- a ramshackle kind of like girl with a voice that can sound howling at times who's playing right. the guitar like your Sharon Von Etten's your Angel Olsen's you know the vibes that I'm talking about yeah. yeah I mean so she's not an artist that I have a super deep relationship with um in general um uh but I I do I did get really into this album specifically um last summer and, and specifically this song um just kind of in the looming shadow of my 37th birthday, um, just the, <laughs> the lyrical themes I thought I, I, I found pretty captivating. Um, just this this person in in midlife, um, kind of caught in the the glare of her teenage self, um, and just sort of, you know, wrestling with her desire to like wipe the smirk off that kid's face you know uh very very relatable um oh uh, yeah like yeah yeah and just yeah I mean I love I think you know I I respond to this album more than her previous work um just due to the production um John Congleton did an incredible job just like kind of pushing her voice like kind of into the red just like blowing it out um uh it's it kind of makes me wish uh she had an alternate career that a as a punk singer <laughs> um uh and yeah i mean just you know i think especially approaching middle age you know i find myself kind of in dialogue with like the punk teenager that i used to be um you know this this weirdo who like didn't think she would go to college maybe thought she might like go sabotage logging equipment in the Pacific Northwest (laughs) instead you know just like thinking about like what would amaze that person about the life that I have now what would disgust her about it um you know uh she she would definitely think I was a sellout and she would definitely be right but um but I also think she would agree that uh you know some of the the stuff um, <laughs> in this life was was worth the price of selling out. So, um, yeah, just like I, I thought it was an interesting way to kind of come full circle through the 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 punk to pop and back and around um, kind of meandering arc of this playlist. Down at 
So, I mean, this album is from 2019. So, and you said you discovered it last summer. So, like, how, like, what, how did you get, like, come, like, how did you come around to it? Or, like, what was it where you were like, I'm going to glom on to this specifically, like, find this, like, this song? Yeah, I think this, uh, this one actually, and I feel like this is a very, like, old person way to find out about music, but um, I think uh, this one first came to me on an episode of Song Exploder, um, which oh, okay. is a podcast I enjoy. We are, I mean, we are relatively close in age, because I, I am approaching my 40th year this year. Um, do you find yourself, like, when did you start kind of ruminating on, like, the passage of time in that sense? <laughs> <laughs> now that we've oh. talked, now that we've now that we've talked about the music, I'm just like, tell me, what are your thoughts on? I was like, yeah. tell, how do you feel about mortality? Tell, yeah, right. <laughs> no, I mean mortality. I I hate that. I've always hated that. I feel like I've I've been ruminating on the passage of time since I was you know six years old. <laughs> like, this is not necessarily new. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I feel like for a long time, it was the feeling of like feeling like you had to get stuff done by a certain age, yeah. you know, like the idea. Of st- and and now, now I feel like, like, I'm obviously no longer young. And that is like a little freeing to, I don't know, to feel okay being, you know, hitting the small time, you know, doing, <laughs> doing, uh, doing little creative pursuits just for a smaller circle of, of people and just sort of adding texture to the world more than necessarily making a, a giant splash. Yeah. No, I like that. That's a good way to like, kind of, I don't know, not get too far ahead of yourself when you know, it's like when you are not able to put in the amount of effort or like it's just like not an option to make a big splash or like push yourself that hard just like you are doing something that has an impact a positive impact hopefully on some people who find it and like that at the end of the day like that is a success um I'm like, man, I'm running out of time to run to, to be on one of those 40 under 40 lists. Right, I, right, right. I need to, I need to get I need to get my shit together in a couple of months. Like I can't have that kind of mentality. So no, I just I I I appreciate that like your candor about that because I just like the passage of time and mortality and kind of like that shit. I I think about that a lot, especially this year alone, but like in the past couple of years, I'm like Oh, I didn't think I'd make it this far. What like I was like, oh boy, like I <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> um Well, is there anything like I mean we made it to the end of your list. Is there anything else that we did not cover that you wanted to talk about or any final like plugs for your various endeavors that you want to give? Or we have we have we covered it at all? Yeah, I think uh we've covered it um you know if anyone wants to uh find me online they can go to theapproach.substack.com um you you can sign up to get an email like every other month maybe (laughs) (laughs) um well that's it that it we're all done so i can't i can't thank you enough for like being willing to do this uh and coming up with a list and such a thoughtful list and like compelling and taking time out of your day to chop it up with me about these songs 
Yeah, thanks for having me. This of was course. a blast. Oh, um, uh, I will make you some more playlists. Oh, great. I can't. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been another episode of the Anhedonic Headphones podcast. Thank you again for listening. And thank you, big thanks to my guest, Daphne, for chopping it up with me. If you are interested in reading her essays on the approach, you can either lurk or subscribe to her substack, theapproach.substack.com. I have been Kevin Krein. You may follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, One place is where I put all of my cries for help. One place is where I put photos of my dog. Occasionally, there's a little bit of an overlap. But I am at Kevy Fly in both locations. Uh, I am a music writer. Sometimes I write about other things. But you can find all of my writing, music, and otherwise on my blog, which is celebrating its 10th anniversary this year. Who has let me do that for 10 years? I have no idea. But uh, the name of the website is Anhedonic Headphones, and you can go to anhedonicheadphones.blogspot.com and read all of my poorly written, long think pieces about contemporary popular music. And I would encourage you to, more than anything else, to listen, subscribe, follow, do all of the things with the other podcast that I am hosting, co-hosting with my friend Alyssa Savino. It is called A Reasonable Day, and you can check that show out wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. It updates every other week on Mondays, because we want your week to begin as reasonably as possible. Thank you again for listening to episode 50. Uh, I will be back here again soon, and I hope you will join me. So until our paths cross again, see you later.